from Wyoming Public Media. This, 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 is, this is spoken. Spoken. Spoken words. Spoken words. This is spoken words. I'm Micah Schweitzer. People think that the public lands managed by the four federal land management agencies are somehow locked up and not available for use or extraction. And that's just really not the case. This time we hear from Sarah Dant about her new book, Losing Eden, an environmental history of the American West. Dant is professor and chair of history at Weber State University in Ogden, Utah. She's the author of several prize-winning articles and co-author of the two-volume Encyclopedia of American National Parks. Her work focuses on environmental politics in the United States with an emphasis on the creation and development of consensus and bipartisanship. Her book, Losing Eden, is a slim volume that covers a lot of ground, moving from the Pleistocene era to the present and drawing from a range of disciplines to offer a broad, engaging account of the formation of the American West. I think that it was important for me as a writer when I was thinking about how to put this book together to consider audience. And for me, my audience was anyone who was interested in the American West and wanted to understand more completely why it looks the way it does today. So I wrote this very broadly. I wanted people who might have some background in history or environmental studies to find this worthwhile and interesting. And yet I also wanted someone who had no real knowledge, maybe just some basic, I've heard of Lewis and Clark kind of thing before. I wanted them to find that this was an engaging way of of thinking about the West, both its past and its present, and what's possible for the future. Uh, I like to tell people in some ways that I wrote this for my dad. Um, he's a he was he's a retired high school English teacher and has lived in the West for much of his life and but doesn't have a necessarily a specialized background. So I really wanted this to be something that um, anyone, with an interest, could pick up and find, ah, wow, I I hadn't thought of things that way before. In offering an environmental history, Dant doesn't present environmentalism as an ideology or ethical mandate. Instead, she aims for a balance reflecting the historical record of how natural forces combined with human agency and choices over time. The word environmental is not at all meant to be off-putting. In fact, quite the opposite. I can't really think of anyone who thinks that they don't want clean air, clean water, and a healthy environment, which technically makes all of us environmentalists. That that word has gotten politicized is unfortunate. And one of the things I really try to do in the book is, is strike a balance. Talk about consensus. How do we understand all of the issues that have come to create a a particular problem or reaction, and then where do we go from there? How do we see the center rather than retreating to our far corners where we don't even talk to one another anymore? Dant grew up in the American West and is passionate about its well-being. While she never turns away from the grave environmental issues facing the region, she looks for the positive aspects of our past so readers come away with a sense of how to move forward. For a sense of what that looks like, here's Sarah Dant reading from the epilogue of Losing Eden. Climate change will continue to accelerate as the world's population races toward a staggering 9.5 billion or more by 2050. Humans have proved a remarkably successful species. In fact, archaeology professor Curtis Marine has called us the most invasive species of all. 
We did not reach the one billion mark until the early 1800s. The second billion took another 120 years. Yet in the past 50 years, we have more than doubled, hitting seven billion in 2011. How will we sustain the demands for clean air, clean water, healthy food, automobiles, refrigerators, and cell phones from such burgeoning numbers? Global climate change suggests that we have already overburdened our planet's atmosphere, oceans, and lands. Are we running headlong toward the great filter and an unfortunate rendezvous with Fermi's paradox? The answer to this question must lie in environmental sustainability, in living within, not in spite of, the carrying capacity of the land. It is our realistic geography of hope in the West. For too long, we have perfected the tragedy of the commons. We have exploited and commodified nature in the pursuit of ephemeral economic profits without considering long-term ecological costs. The broad arc of deep history reveals the evolving relationship between humans and the natural environment in the West over time. As Westerners transitioned from subsistence to market economies and wrestled with frontier and conservation versus preservation ideologies, they ultimately arrived at a present characterized by climate change and sustainability challenges. As environmental historian William Cronin has admonished, we are unlikely to make much progress in solving these problems if we hold up to ourselves as the mirror of nature, a wilderness we cannot ourselves inhabit. The complex, symbiotic relationship between humans and the environment reveals that there is no pristine myth to which we should strive to return. The West as Eden has always been a false illusion, and it's time to lose it once and for all. Instead, it's time for a new collective paradigm, what we might instead call a triumph of the commons. Just as no one person is responsible for environmental decline, no one person can hope to change the West's or the planet's environment. But when each individual acts in the common good rather than his or her own self-interest, the results promise extraordinary dividends, what one writer has called a sense of bigness outside ourselves. If it is true that we care about what we know, then the simple question is this, what will you do? In Losing Eden, Dant draws attention to models for the kind of consensus-building work that is so urgently needed right now in addressing environmental issues in the West. In one of the chapters, I talk about a senator from Idaho named Frank Church, who was a four-term senator from a resource-extractive-based state, who nevertheless really tried to create consensus about ideas such as wilderness and national recreation areas and protecting wild and scenic rivers, while also understanding that people in his state and around the country needed to, I mean, we still need jobs, we still need to use natural resources in order to make our economy thrive. And he was a remarkable individual in his ability to bring together really disparate groups who often thought that they could not and would not have anything in common. And he was able to make that cooperation really not only just work, but actually flourish. And I hope in many ways that that, that inspires people to see a possibility because I think particularly in the West, one area where there is a lot of contention and unfortunately a lot of misinformation as well is on our public lands. People think that the public lands managed by the four federal land management agencies are somehow locked up and not available for use or 
um, extraction. And that's just really not the case. We have a pretty major controversy going in Utah right now, but in other parts of the West too, over the National Monuments issue. And in particular, we just had a, a national monument declared at the end of the Obama administration called the Bears Ears. It was about 1.3 million acres, and it involved a, a remarkable coalition of native peoples and local entities and communities coming together to create this designation. And the recommendation of the current administration was to dramatically shrink the monument. And much of the rhetoric I've seen around the state has been, well, that 1.3 million acres was taken out of, out of private hands and forced into this monument. And that's just not the case. All 1.3 million acres were already federal lands, either managed by the United States Forest Service or the Bureau of Land Management. The designation was going to change, but the ownership did not change. But a lot of people don't understand that. And it would be nice to have leadership at all levels, local, state, and federal, that was really talking about how do we foster consensus and cooperative dialogue rather than everybody retreating to their political extremes. Dant believes in the power of people working together for this better future. She also believes in knowing our history for understanding our present circumstances and the relationship between people and nature. I believe that we need to understand what's happened before so we understand how we got to our present. If we are in a present where we have drought, where we have um, issues of species extinction, if we can't adequately uh, promise our farmers enough water, then part of what we need to understand is, is how did we get to this point? What, what choices did we make in the past that have led us to our present? With the idea, I think, that understanding what the consequences of previous choices are, we in fact won't make those same mistakes. But beyond that, I, I really think that understanding the relationship between people and nature is so important. I mean, I wouldn't be in education, I wouldn't have written this book if I didn't firmly believe and ultimately have a positive outlook on the way we can bring about change. But understanding that people are part of nature, I think we've gotten away from that idea to some extent, that people are part of nature. And if we do too much damage, we're going to risk a kind of retaliation that we are really not prepared for. And particularly in the West, and that's why I wanted to read that little excerpt from the epilogue, particularly in the West where aridity is our reality, in many ways changes are magnified here. We don't have any room for error. The margins are really slim. So I think it's particularly essential that we understand what kinds of choices we've made so that we can make better choices moving forward about how to live sustainably within the environment that, that we call home. Dant hopes her love for the West and her desire to care for it comes through in this book, fostering the kind of feeling and knowledge that leads to action. I think it's really important to emphasize the idea that people care about what they know. And as someone who's in education, and the reason I wrote this book is because I want people to know about this place that is the West. I am a native Westerner. 
I love this remarkable landscape and environment and that passion is something that I that drives me to want to to take care of it and be a good steward and so I hope that people when they read this book will learn more about this place they call home and that will deepen their appreciation for it and their desire to help it and to be much more sustainable in their interaction with the environment. This episode was produced by Teo Basquiat. I'm Micah Schweitzer. If you have a moment, please leave a rating or review on iTunes to help other people find the show. Spoken Words is a collaboration between the University of Wyoming's MFA in Creative Writing program and Wyoming Public Media.